that drives me crazy about Joe Biden is that he causes problems. You know, most presidents don't know how to deal with problems. The worst president in our history was James Buchanan. Uh, he came in to a situation where the South was actually raiding federal depots for weapons, and they were doing all kinds of things, uh, signaling they were going to uh, bail out of the Union. Um, and Buchanan just sat there and didn't do anything about it. So the South became more emboldened. That led to the Civil War. Buchanan left. Lincoln came in. And the rest, as they say, is history. Buchanan didn't cause the Civil War, the slavery issue, all that. He just sat there and allowed just horror to develop. Same thing with Herbert Hoover, one of the worst presidents ever. He didn't cause the Great Depression when he got in. He didn't do anything about it. And people were dying. But Biden's a different situation. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. Republicans only need to tell voters one thing, in my opinion, in order to win in November. They say that the southern border is wide open because President Biden wants it that way. You don't even have to say inflation's terrible, the economy's wobbling, foreign policy is out of control, she is threatening uh, the United States. You don't, you don't even have to go there because the border is so bad and so many people are getting hurt. And it's because of Biden. It's not because of the Democratic Party. They support it. Okay, it's not because of some cabinet member. Mayorkas is just uh, a guy in there who's way over his head, but he didn't cause it. It's Biden. He will not enforce immigration law. So let me prove my point here. Border Patrol has announced that in the first 10 months of this fiscal year, which ends in October, Agents have made 1.82 million arrests at the southern border. Almost 2 million is still two more months to go. That is a record by far. So this is, this is just a stream of foreign nationals every single day, overwhelming U.S. authorities on the border. Okay, now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the apprehensions are now being adjudicated so that they aren't apprehensions anymore. It's the Border Patrol stops you. You have no business here. You have no passport, you no know, papers. And then in the, a matter of hours, they let you go right into the country. That's what's happening. Okay. And it's not like it isn't happening. It is. And these are the old federal government stats, okay? In addition, record amounts of hard narcotics are coming in here. It's July alone, 2,100 pounds of fentanyl. Fentanyl is a little pill. 2,100 pounds just in July. This is an increase of 200% over last year. So the... Drug smugglers on both sides of the border, cartels in Mexico, organized crime 
in the United States. It's just like, come on, wave them in because of the open border. Now, so far this year, again, according to the federal government, 18,000 pounds of cocaine seized, 138,000 pounds of methamphetamine, and 1,300 pounds of heroin. The heroin's down because the fentanyl is up. Fentanyl basically does what heroin does, but it's much more powerful than heroin, so it kills you. Not always, but a lot. So hundreds of thousands of Americans are dying, not only from drug overdoses, but when the drugs get to the cities, the drug gangs, primarily African-American, they're the retail sellers, they're fighting each other and law enforcement to control the street drug industry. That's resulting in violent crime through the roof. So you got drug overdoses, and they say about 120,000, whatever. It's way more than that. But a lot of these coroners say other people die of other things, that kind of thing. But it's way more than that. And then you have all the murders and all the violence in the cities, the big cities. So, again, this isn't two sides to the story. This is happening. President Biden does not care. Fact. If he cared, he'd do something about it. But there isn't anything being done. I mean, nothing. So, 18 months of this, how much more do you need, you liberal Democrats? How much more do you need, you independent voters? The Republican Party is going to vote en masse against Biden and the Democrats. But independents and Democrats still supporting some of them, the Biden administration. How much more do you need? Do you really believe this is good for the United States? Where foreign nationals, millions of them can come here unattended? And when they come here, we have to take care of them. You can't let them die in the streets. And that's U.S. tax money. I mean, we're talking millions of people, most of them poor. And then the narcotics are everywhere. Now, if you read Killing the Mob, and I hope you read all the Killing books, because if you do, you'll have a very, very good idea of your own country. But Killing the Mob, I laid out how the narcotics traffic was controlled at wholesale and retail at one point by organized crime. The Italian gangsters, the five families, they controlled it. But they don't control retail anymore. They still control a lot of the importation of narcotics here, but not how it's sold on the streets of New York City, Chicago, L.A., and every other big city. Those are African-American gangs doing that primarily. There are some Hispanic gangs, but it's primarily African-American gangs. And they're killing people, thousands of people. And there's no problem getting their product here. It's easier to get narcotics into America today than ever before. And the federal government says it. Again, where is President Biden? Where is his chief of staff? Where is Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer? Gone. They don't care. And that, there's no other explanation. They don't care that Americans are dying. And here is the real kicker. 
equity and, and, and we're going to take care of African-Americans and all of this. Mostly African-Americans dying. So that's how fraudulent and hypocritical this whole progressive move is. I'll tell you what, I've never seen an issue this intense that is so clearly defined than the border. So Joe Biden is now in dereliction of duty territory. He swore to uphold the laws of the United States. He is not upholding them. And in any forum, he could not persuade any fair-minded person that he is. So he could be impeached if the House goes Democrat in November. That would take place after everybody sworn in in January. He could be impeached. That would be a mistake by the Republican Party if they decide to do that. They could do it, and they would get the article of impeachment passed in the House. They never get a conviction in the Senate. Okay, but they could embarrass Biden. But here's what the Republicans should do. Immediately after taking power in January, the House committees, Homeland Security, Oversight, whatever it may be, begin holding hearings and bringing in Mayorkas, Buttigieg, all the department heads, the whole cabinet. You subpoena them and embarrass them in front of the whole country because they're not going to be able to defend the Biden incompetence. So rather than doing what Nancy Pelosi did to Trump, which, you know, blew up and nobody got anywhere on it, you don't do that. You, you set a record. And then the final thing after Mayorkas and Buttigieg and all of the other cabinet members, department heads, definitely Merrick Garland, Definitely he's in, okay, particularly if this whole Trump thing doesn't work out. Once you have all that on the record, then you go after Biden. And that's the memo. All right, let's go to L.A. County. Did you know that uh, movie stars are hiring security uh, at a record rate, according to The Hollywood Reporter? So the uh, big security firm out there is called World Protection Group. Business has doubled since January, okay, because there are high-profile break-ins in the biggest states in Beverly Hill, Bel Air, other neighborhoods where the movie stars live. Okay, robberies involving firearms up 57% in 2020 and more from 2020 so far this year, 57%. So crime in Los Angeles County, the largest county in the country, is out of control, and there was a recall effort to get the DA, George Gascon, a socialist, progressive, doesn't want to uh, put criminals in jail, recalled. Well, they got the signatures, 715,000 to recall them, but now the California Government Elections Board has thrown out about 200,000 of those signatures, saying they're no good. All right. So here's the breakdown. 88,000 signatures to recall George Gascon were not from registered voters. 44,000 duplicates, that means people signed twice. 32% different addresses. They didn't put down our uh, current address. Uh, 9,500 mismatched signatures. I don't know what that means. 7,000 were canceled. 
I don't know what that means. 5,000 out-of-county addresses. You had to be in L.A. County, sign a petition. 9,300, the category of other. So joining us now is a guest we've had before. Kathleen Cady is in Southern California. She is the chair, co-chair of the recall district attorney, George Gaston, former L.A. deputy district attorney. So is the fix in here, Ms. Cady? you think this is bogus? Did they, uh, is there corruption involved? Well, we don't know. And that's, of course, what we are hoping to uh, find out. So we will be insisting on our right to inspect. Uh, and uh, according to the law, I believe we've got about 21 days to start that process. And so we do intend to go through and look at what they have said um, are not valid uh, signatures, which they have thrown out. And should we find that there has been anything that seems to be untoward, then, of course, uh, we will look at what our next steps can be. But, right, so um, you're, I'll, you're, well, let's just walk through it. We'll walk okay. Through it. So you're about 40,000 signatures light now to get this on the ballot, right? About 40,000. That's not a lot. Can you refile and start the process all over again? Well, theoretically, we could. Um, I do not think that that uh, will happen because, of course, the election is going to be coming up in two years. And so the process uh, to actually go through a recall of, you know, raising the money and getting all the people and doing the okay. petition, all that, it takes time. So all right. I so think Gaston is safe now unless you find out that the election board uh, didn't do its job properly, correct? Correct. And it's the registrar recorder of Los Angeles County. So, yeah, uh, you know, assuming they followed the law, the law is what it is. And that's our, been our objection to Gascon all along is that he is not really following the law. He's going ahead, going ahead and issuing his various policies, which violate the law, which is what has uh, endangered so many people in L.A. County. And as you point out, you know, many of the wealthy people can go ahead and hire uh, security guards. But the people sure. who live in disenfranchised communities don't they have can. that luxury. You should have gotten three million signatures because the situation's so bad and Gascon is so bad. I, w I was uh, I was surprised that you didn't get more than and you got a lot. I mean, more than seven hundred thousand. A lot of people, you know, to sign a petition. But if we're <laughs> going, you know, how could anybody not sign it? It's insane. Well, I agree, but I, I will say, having been one of those people who was out gathering signatures, uh, you know, we had people throughout the entire county for months doing this work. And uh, as I understand it, this is the most, the highest number of signatures that has ever been gathered anywhere for this yeah. kind of uh, recall. So uh, the fact that we were able to get almost 717,000 signatures submitted is, I mean, it was a huge feat. It was always going to be a heavy lift. We knew it was a heavy lift. And we why, had why did you know it was a heavy lift? I don't know why. I mean, it's so bad. There's no two sides to the story. Well, I agree there's no two sides to the story, but still you have to get people out there. You've got to, uh, you know, it, it's not something that can be done online. So you've got to be out in the community. Yeah, got, you got to knock on a door and they got to take the time right. to sign it and go into the businesses and whatever. All right, look, uh, Ms. Katie, we appreciate uh, your patriotism and trying to do the right thing to protect the citizens in the area in which you live. Uh, please keep us posted if you find there's any shenanigans going on. If they didn't do the right thing, certainly you can file a federal lawsuit against them uh, and make their lives a living hell if they did uh, do something illegal here. Um, and we would like to know, you got three months, you say, to, uh, to review this whole thing? 
No, we have 21 days to start the three process. Weeks. So, three weeks. Right. Okay. So we've got, we, you know, of course, we have many questions in and we're assembling a team to go in and start looking through and do what we can, which is to inspect. All right. Thanks, Ms. Katie. We appreciate it. Good luck to you. So this week is the uh, anniversary, one year of the Afghanistan debacle. So one year ago, I did a commentary on this program, the No Spin News. And I think this commentary, um, well, let me play it for you and then you can tell me what you think. Go. So he was for nation building. He wanted it. Did you hear that in his speech yesterday? Did he say, well, I was wrong in 2002 trying to build a democratic nation out of a tribal society, which is never going to work. And those of us who understand Afghanistan know that. But you don't allow a foreign policy catastrophe. You don't allow it. He did on his watch. And now our main enemies in the world, China, Taiwan, you don't think China's going, hmm, Taiwan, we want that. What's Biden going to do? Russia, hmm, Ukraine, we want that. What's Biden going to do? And Iran going, hey. We're going to get that nuke because he's not going to stop us, right? And if that China-Taiwan thing heats up, Biden's going to have to fight them. He's going to have to. And that's a world war. Okay, I'll remind you that obviously I was talking at the top of that about President Biden, who in 2002, uh, he was all for going into Afghanistan and building a democratic nation. But then he pulls out in a irresponsible way, leading immediately to the deaths of 13 American service people. And now I think that I'm clairvoyant. So China, Taiwan, we have today. Putin, Ukraine. Remember, this was a year ago I said that. It wasn't any Putin, Ukraine. Remember that? Okay. So I saw clearly what that Afghanistan withdrawal was going to lead to, and it has. Now, the only reason I'm telling you this, and it's an important reason, is because we are a subscription-based service. I know millions of you are watching us on TV and listening on the radio, but BillOReilly.com, the news agency that puts out our news product, is paid for by subscriptions, okay? And I'm telling people all over the world, very few places are going to give you honest analysis and honest reportage. And it's important to your life. And I'm going to demonstrate that right now. There is a moral issue attached to poor people coming across the border, uh, even though they are violating our laws. They're still human beings and uh, they need help. So the big organization that is helping them, aside from the federal government, is Catholic Charities. And uh, the Catholic Charity Organization has been under some pressure because people are going, well, you're, you're enabling this, you're helping, you're encouraging people across the border. Here's how Cardinal Dolan of New York City put it, go. Well, we don't have a choice because we have a sacred responsibility to do it. Lord knows we didn't ask for it. And Lord knows we might be saying, hey, I wish this were a different way. But here's the, uh, here's the difficulty we have and we wanna rise to the occasion. 
So that's correct. And then Pope Francis, that's his Dolan and Pope Francis are like this. And that's Pope Francis's view as well. Look, we can't take politics into account when you've got human beings suffering who need shelter and food and, and they need help. So Jesus compels us to help those who can't help themselves. That's true. If you're a Christian, um, there's no doubt about it. But here is the mistake that uh, his eminence and his holiness, eminence, a cardinal holiness, a pope, here is the mistake they are making. They are not rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Okay, that's a, one of the most famous sayings of Jesus when the Pharisees tried to trap him. They aren't saying, well, as Catholics, we support upholding the law. They don't say that. They never say it. What they say is, well, let's change the law. Or we, we wish the law were different. But they never say, ever, from the Vatican or from St. Patrick's Cathedral, look, that's the law, and good Catholics, Christians, should be upholding it. That's my beef. New York City uh, says it might spend $300 million annually to house migrants in hotels. Um, possible? <laughs> you know, this is analysis by the New York Post. I don't know. I just know that every move a migrant makes once the migrant gets into this country is paid for by us. Right here. New York City crime, crazy, crazy. So the actor Rick Moranis walking down the street on the west side of Manhattan on uh, 2020, uh, August 10th, uh, two years ago, and a guy walked up to Moranis and smashed him right in the face. Uh, the actor, who is a really good guy, uh, had to go to the hospital. Uh, his life was thrown into chaos. That man was sentenced today. His name is Marquis Ventura. He had been arrested 13 times prior to the assault on Rick Moranis. He got two years in a state prison. That's about, if he behaves himself, 15 months, maybe less. And then three years supervised probation, which is a joke. There is no supervised probation in New York City. There are too many criminals. There's not enough probation people, and they don't supervise anyway. Anyway, I'm glad this guy's going to jail. Is Ventura. He's a danger. But it's two years. Would I have given him more? Yeah, I would have given him five. Because he's a repeat offender. He just beats people up on the street for no reason. I would have given him five. White people are banned some, in some parts of UC Berkeley. You know, I was out there in May. If I had known this, I would have gone, and believe me, I would have done it, to Berkeley, to uh, University of California, and gone right where they say that white people can't go. That's what I would have done. So College Fix is reporting that guests are banned from common spaces at the person of color theme house on the UC campus. OK, um, I guess it's off campus. So off campus co-op person of color housing. Quote, guests are allowed in common spaces, but please be mindful if there are house members in the room beforehand. White guests are not allowed in common spaces. Why? Because many members of the person of color theme house are, quote, there to avoid white violence and presence, unquote. So here we have a public 
University, University of California, saying to students and visitors, if you're white, you can't go into a portion of student housing. That's off the chart unconstitutional and in violation of every other American tenant. There you go, California. So Henry Kissinger is 99 years old. He's obviously acknowledged as a foreign policy expert. He gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal last Friday. In that, he was very clear. He said, we are at the edge of war with Russia and China on issues which we partly created without any concept of how this is going to end or what it's supposed to lead to. All right, that's what Kissinger said. Now, the foreign policy people that I know um, believe that is true. It's not so much Putin, Ukraine. All right, that's not going to lead to a world war. But Taiwan, China could. It could. So let's talk to a guy who really knows what this is all about. His name is uh, Sara Gupta. He's coming to us from Washington. He is a senior Asia-Pacific international relations specialist for the Institute for China-American Studies. Okay, so there's a lot of hysteria around this Taiwan stuff. And I wrote a column called The Danger. I, I don't know whether you saw it, Mr. Gupta, but it basically says that Americans just don't understand the intensity of sending Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan unnecessarily. Nothing was accomplished for us, okay? And it just lighted a fuse in Beijing for them now to saber rattle, which is dangerous. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're correct. It's a very, very dangerous flashpoint. It may well come to it that the U.S. may have to fight uh, China with regard to Taiwan if there is an invasion of the type that Mr. Putin attempted in Ukraine. But there are many other scenarios, too, in which the solution, in which the, the, the situation can be managed. And I think this needs to be taken very, very seriously because this is something of the totality and ramifications as the Korean War of June 19, of 1950. We could be, it's, it's something of that magnitude. And so right. we should be very alert to it. I want to walk through it, okay? You're correct. There are other options that we have. I don't believe that the Biden administration, if China tomorrow invades Taiwan, will attack mainland China. I don't believe they will do it. What they will do is what they did to Putin, try to strangle China economically, sanctions all over the place. As you know better than anyone else, China is an export economy. If it can't sell what it makes, it dies. And a billion and a half people are not going to be happy. That's what I believe the American government would do rather than to send exosets in and, and, and bomb. And uh, I don't see that happening, even if the Chinese invade. But let's take it step by step. To be fair, maybe I'm missing something. Is there any reason Nancy Pelosi should have gone to Taiwan in this point in history? Absolutely not. There was no reason for her to go. Okay. I can Why do you believe she went? Purely as a legacy for herself and to have a last chance uh, to poke the Chinese in the eye. Flat out. There's nothing more to it. 
Well, why does she dislike China? I mean, she's a progressive leftist who oppose almost all confrontation. Why does she want to poke she in the eye? She has the strong human rights and democracy uh, aspect to her policies and her thinking. This has been something with her right throughout her political career, right since the early 90s at the time of Tiananmen, frankly. And she has a very tight relationship with the Dalai Lama. And, and as we know, China and Dalai Lama have not been able to have make any progress whatsoever. Yeah, because China took over Tibet. I mean, I, 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 that's a, a debate squelcher right there. Okay. So Biden said he didn't think that Pelosi should go. And the Pentagon said, not a good idea. Pelosi went anyway. Why? What is that? Well, it's, it's, again, back to her legacy. She was going to all go. Right, so it's she, all about she, her. Not it's, about it's all America. Her. Not about it's, not it's all about her. She wanted a grandiose entrance, yeah, entrance into Taiwan. Now, she himself, he's up for re-election. Economy is not good in China. Okay. Um, they have continuing COVID problems, human rights problems in the West with the Muslim Uyghurs, they got problems all over the place. So now people are going, wag the dog. If she can mask all of his domestic problems with a trumped up China situation, then he might do it. What do you think? Taiwan situation, I mean. I, I, it wouldn't be as easy because he simply will not be able to accomplish his goal. You know, he doesn't have the luxury of Mr. Putin where he tries to invade a nation fails to do so, but can come away with 20% of it. If Mr. If President Xi wants to capture Taiwan, he needs to capture it all. Otherwise, he is in the history books thereafter. And as we've yeah, seen- Yeah, I mean, that would be an embarrassment. Taiwanese gonna fight? They're gonna fight like the Ukrainians are fighting? Are they gonna do that? If it is an unjustified invasion, yes, they will fight. Even though we know, I mean, the Southern Chinese, Cantonese people, how commercial, the commercial bent they have, and they're not really the militaristic type, but there is identity formation in Taiwan, and there's a fair chance that they don't want a communist party clause. But they'll lose. If they fight, they're going to lose. They're getting slaughtered. I mean, because the Chinese military is so much more powerful. Final question. I don't believe any of this Ukraine, Putin, Xi, Taiwan would be happening if Trump were president because Trump had deals with both Putin and Xi. He had deals. They were economic-based deals where all three countries would benefit, and Xi and Putin feared Trump to some extent. They don't seem to fear Biden. Is my analysis in that zone incorrect? In that zone, your analysis is correct. Uh, Trump didn't like war, to be frank. He was not a warmonger. You know, we have any number of American presidents who will, for a sanctimonious reason, will always go in for war. Trump was not that type of guy, a very different type of president. And that's why we did not see armed action in the course of a Republican president. But at the same time, the Chinese were scared of him as to what he would do because he, 
going back to Kissinger, there was a certain degree of a madman thesis out here. But at the same time, he really wanted commercial engagement to work out to America's advantage. And the Chinese grasped that. And that's why they were trying to work out a deal which did not really work out at the end, but did make significant progress. And therefore, if there was a Republican president, they would not be testing lines out here. All right. And Biden, they don't fear at all. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't say they won't. They, they fear up to they fear American power up to a point, but they feel that they can play Biden and have a good coexistent relationship with Biden down the line simply because she and Biden have worked closely in the past. They don't fear the Democrats as much, but they also see that the upside in terms of being able to f form a coexistent relationship at yeah, some better deals than they would have, would have gotten under Trump. All right, Mr. Gupta, thanks very much. We really appreciate it. I want everybody to keep their eye on that story. We certainly will. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA with more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers? I have their trees and plants at my home and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code Bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Use promo code Bill at checkout. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day. And we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith.
All right. Survey in the UK. Now, British people are like Americans. I mean, they drink too much tea over there and, they, you know, they have some attitudes that we don't have. We're, we're a lot more feisty and direct than uh, the average Brit. But it's a similar uh, mindset. So that's why I'm giving you this. An outfit called Aloha Browser. Sounds like it was run by Spicoli in Fast Times at Ridge High. Aloha Browser did a big survey, 2,500 respondents in the UK, and they want to know how much you post online. All right? So the average person in the United Kingdom um, posts a year, no, in their lifetime, in their lifetime, 10,000 photos, 11,000 social media posts, and 126 email addresses. I don't know what that is. Uh, I guess they change their email. Maybe that's what it is. 47% of Brits worry about putting too much of their lives online. Yes! Yes! I don't know why this drives me crazy, but it is. And I don't mean to pick on these two, but I will. Ben Affleck, the actor, and J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez. Do we really need to know what you're doing every hour of the day? Do we really need to see photographs of every outfit change, Miss Lopez? Do we really see, need to see Ben Affleck walking around brooding with a coffee cup? It's unrelenting. Unrelenting. Now, publicity in the entertainment world is usually good. But this is too much. It, and then there's a whole bunch of people who do this. Jennifer Aniston. When does it ever end? Okay? I mean, every day. The Kardashians, ah, but that's different. That's their business. See, they make money from doing it. The others don't. And every thought they have, and believe me, there are not many, out on that, this and that and all that. Don't do that. Nothing good can come from you putting your private feelings and your day-to-day -day activities on the net. Don't do it. There's no reason for you to do it. If you want to tell someone, if you're excited about something, an achievement, call them up. Talk to them like another human being. Yeah, you can text or email if it's brief like this. But if you really want to know, call them up. But this incessant Instagram photograph, here I am here and I'm eating a lemon and I just bought a taco. Stop. Ugh. I don't know why it bothers me. Smart life. All right. This is our campaign to help you in your life. So cable costs a lot of money. It, it costs me about 200 bucks a month. Okay. Now, I, I, a lot of my, um, a lot of my uh, activities are tied into fiber optics and, and all of that because we do uh, broadcast from studios. We don't go into New York City. We're not run by a corporation other than my corporation. So that's my excuse. But cabled, way too high. Way too high. So now there's a new uh, study out in July. This is according to Nielsen, and they calibrate all what Americans watch and where they watch it. For the first time ever, streaming services have overtaken cable. Um, the time people 
in America spent streaming rose 23% from a year earlier. The time they were watching cable declined 9 Okay? 35% of U.S. TV viewing is now streaming. 34% cable. First time. It's flipping. Cable is dead except for sports. Cable news is in dire trouble. Okay? Particularly because the younger audience is gone. It's all over 65. I think the average age now for the cable news operations, all three of them, close to 80. That's how, you know, because the older people, they don't do the streaming. They don't know what that is. And I'm not not being condescending. It's just true. Um, So anyway, the streaming is is taking over. Now, I'm I'm not a guy that does that. I, you know, the urchins will come in and go, hey, dad, you know, watch this and pop it up and I'll look at it. But I'm not cruising around those things very much. I did watch Peaky Blinders. I thought the uh, cast out was fabulous, but it got crazy at the end. Uh, and I went, why am I watching this? <laughs> but I watched that. And uh, I watched that comedy show, the soccer show, uh, the first year, and then it kind of flamed out. But I don't do that. But anyway, I know that most Americans do it. And so the smart life play here is a lot cheaper. Enter Vidgo, V-I-D-G-O. You might have seen the commercials. They sponsored us. They are our partner in streaming. Now, we have signed a deal with them that I will provide them with product. And the first one is going to be early September. It's going to be about the National Football League because football starts uh, September 8th, I believe. Anyway, you're going to really be interested to see what we're doing because it's brand new. So we are now involved with the streaming thing because we believe it is the wave of the future. If you read that Breitbart article on me out yesterday, I hope you do, it's posted on BillOReilly.com, you'll see, all right, how my corporations are looking ahead because I know the dinosaur media is going down. So I just give you a heads up on that. And Vidgo is 50% cheaper than cable. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here is the final thought of the day. So this has been a very chaotic week for me, and I am not a man of chaos. I don't like chaos, as you probably know. But I haven't been living in the moment. What do I mean by that? So I'm doing five things at once, and I know you do this too. So I'm doing a task, but I'm thinking about something else. Or the phone rings or the doorbell rings or someone comes in and I'm doing stuff and the stuff that I'm doing, I'm doing poorly because I'm not concentrating on what I'm doing. And that leads to more problems. So I lost my prescription sunglasses. I have no blanket idea where they are. I, and I, put, I sent out the search parties. Retrace the steps, 
said the prayer to St. Anthony? Come on, St. Anthony. No idea. Okay, so I know that I lost the glasses because I wasn't even thinking about them when I took them off my head. And I put them somewhere or something happened because I wasn't in the moment. Whatever you do, you got to slow it down, all right, and block out the words, hold on, I'll be with you in a minute. Then you turn back to whatever you're doing. But we don't do that. We Americans are frenetic. Other cultures are not like us. But we're doing it seven, eight. You know it in your own life. You know it. The dog's got to go out. The kids want this. The TV's too loud. The people, you can't. Everything has to slow down. Because if it doesn't, you're going to make mistakes. Those prescription sunglasses cost me four or five hundred bucks. That's a big mistake. It's my fault. Because when I took them off my head, I did not register where I put them. Done. I can't tell you how crazy I am. But it's a lesson. Because I was doing seven things at once. And I'm going to stop that. That is a final thought. Thank you very much for watching and listening tonight. New column Sunday noon. See you soon.